12 months from now, when you're analyzing this shelter component of inflation, it stays the same. That's when we're going to start to see an impact in the overall figure. Because in this last CPI report, I just mentioned at the top of the show, shelter made up 70%, accounted for 70% of the overall number. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Boom, and we're live. Just waiting on Chris to come in because Chris fired Odun, the villain, the villain move. Coming in late like a villain. Coming in late like a villain. Why'd you fire Odun, bro? No. You get COVID around here, you get fuck, fired. Fuck around and... Hey, you know what happened? Mm. Odun decided to play a game of fuck around and find out. Found out. He found out. Listen, man. I can't have people co-signing you live on the show. It's demeaning. It's, right? It's completely disrespectful to my authority. <laughs> Remember that was South Park? Yeah. Respect my authority. Well done. It was yeah. a throwback. It was a throwback. I'm pretty good at the throwbacks, I guess. You do good at throwing it back? The alcohol, that is. <laughs> Got it. All right, kids. Welcome back to the show. It is once again the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Welcome back to the show, everybody. That is my partner in crime. My partner in time. Oh, look at that. Gang, gang. One and only sight, Omar, everybody. Hello. It's nice to be back in the studio. On my birthday. It is your birthday. Happy birthday, brother. It is my birthday. Chris would not let me reschedule the show. He's Absolutely like, fucking not. This is not an option. Commit to the cause, man. That's it. What are you, 37 now? I am 37. Don't act like you knew that. I told you right before the show started. You're not. I feel like it makes <laughs> you sound I'm like, trying to slide that in. I'm trying to sound a little bit more sincere yeah. as a friend. <laughs> there you go. Because I'll be honest with you, I had no idea it was your birthday today. I could tell. I was like, you're you're having a birthday today? Uh, yeah. What? Is, what? Never mind the 6,000 text messages people send me. Hey, did you, uh, did you remember Saeed's birthday today? <laughs> Like, do you all know I'm stupid? <laughs> like everybody knows you're not hip to birthdays, man. They're like, look, we know you're an insensitive prick. Yeah, because you were insensitive to their birthdays. They just wanted to make sure you weren't going to be insensitive to my birthday. Yeah, yeah. it's a reoccurring thing. <laughs> Fully admit that's not my strong suit. I know. Me too. I'm but love really, is love. I'm really bad. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So this week's show. We got a lot of information on inflation. We talked about it a little bit on the last show, and that information came out. Let me tell you, it came out in a very interesting way. Yeah, we'll get into it. We will get into it. Yep. <laughs> Saeed actually put a show note here, comment Saeed with the breakdown. <laughs> I just saw that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 the, 
Well, thank you for the breakdown yeah. in the forthcoming yeah, conversation. You know. I got that. I got no, it. No, it's all right. We're going to talk about Goldman. Goldman Sachs. You remember their uh, CEO, DJ? David Solomon. David Solomon, the one and only, the man, uh, the myth, the legend. Mm-hmm. Behind the ones and twos. Well, the ones and twos may be a problem <laughs> for them these days. <laughs> Turns out they're going to break their own rules to flag results much worse than their rivals. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that, too. That's a problem. Big one. We got an article from CNBC that I put into the show notes about these are the U.S. cities where rent has fallen the most last year. Mm. Since last year. So now. Right. Which is going to be what's going to help the inflation cause moving forward. I'm going to be honest with you. The names weren't that surprising, but the order of the list was surprising to me. Okay. Yeah. A right. little, little thrown off there by, by some of that. I got a great chart from somebody that you and I both know that I wanted to talk about on the show, and uh, we can do that. And then if there's time, you know, after inflation and all this stuff, if there's time, mm-hmm. I know how much you thoroughly enjoy trashing the crypto bros. I saw this article. I, I was sent this by at least like 17, 18 people. Please get into it. Saying, hey, man, Saeed's really going to enjoy this. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I love this. He's a petty motherfucker. He's going to enjoy this shit. <laughs> I hope he goes to jail for a long time. Yeah. It's such a terrible thing to say, but yet I want it too. <laughs> Listen, I said that I want you to go to jail. It's just that I want you to have repercussions for being a douchebag. For a long time. For a long time. Like, I want you to <laughs> I be. Yeah, not just in and out. I need yeah, you to be no. there. Not white collar prison. No, no. No, no. I want you to be in blue collar prison. I mean, that's where or, he deserves you know, to be. Like Russian camp prison. <laughs> where they give you a hammer and like say, get to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? On what? There's <laughs> nothing in here. You break rock. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's that's what I want. Like yeah. I want just hard time. Yeah, I just feel like they had it so easy that too. the that the time should be hard. Too easy. So let's jump right into it, shall we? Let's do it. So this first article is we're gonna one that we're gonna spend a lot of time on. It's from Bloomberg. U.S. inflation hits two year low, giving hope for end to Fed hikes. And there's gonna be a lot of conversation between now. The date of this show is the 13th of July, mm-hmm. and the Fed meeting, the FOMC meeting in July, which is, I believe, the 25th? 25th and 26th. Now, this meeting in particular, if you believe mm-hmm. Jerome Powell, yeah. I mean, I'm going to hesitate for up that. Until, up until now, a lot of people did not believe him. There's a lot of things that Jerome Powell has said that has been a little bit carefree. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the economy is strong and resilient, right? Oh, yeah. The banking sector though? especially, right. Yeah. Hmm. Really? So I, I just imagine, like, I got a scenario in my head. The last FOMC meeting, they did a dot plot. Yes. Where they hand out these charts to the FOMC members. Part of their summary of economic projections. Yeah. And they, uh, they draw <laughs> dot plots <laughs> on where they think the Fed terminal rate will be. Right. Currently, right now, we're sitting at five and five and a quarter. Yeah. Right. The range between five and five and a quarter percent. Right. So I just have this visual in my head. There's only seven voting members, correct? There's a five vote, seven voting no, members. Seven voting members, right. 18 participants. Yeah. And 12 Fed heads, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, um, I, and, I, and Neil Kashkari is not a voting member. No, not, not this year around. So I have a feeling what happens is, is Neil Kashkari walks around the room and hands everybody their dot plot and their Crayola crayon. Yeah. Right? And he's Jerome's messenger. He's Jerome's messenger. Jerome's at like a table in the front, right? Like right. a teacher. Yeah. 
And he's like, all right, everybody. Take your Crayola crayon and everybody draw a number by a dot by the number six. Yeah, we know most of them did. I mean, you mo- most of them are going, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like they're drawing it, like, you know, they're getting into it. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you know, that's not, they're not going like, hey, guys, what do you think? Right. Yeah. And then you got, you know, Cash Car walking around going like, that's not the number six, Daily. Right. You know, you know, the problem that I had the most with their approach to all this is, I mean, there's an argument to be made. Why did you guys increase at the cadence that you did? There's that argument. Huge argument. Okay. That's, that's the remains, biggest argument in my mind. <laughs> remains to be seen if it's going to cause serious economic damage. It's a question mark. It's a question mark. Yeah. For now, it's, it's impacted the banking sector. It hasn't rolled into as many sectors as we thought it would have up until now, but it remains to be seen. So I'm going to leave that one aside for now. I truly believe we are in uncharted territory. Yeah, we are. No one really knows what comes next. No. And anyone who tells you that they do is completely full of shit because they're arrogant and they believe that their their way is the only way. Because right now, no one knows Mm -hmm. what's going to happen next. That's a fact. Yeah. The four most worrisome words in finance and the economy. Mm. What do you think it is? The four most worrisome words? In a sentence. I need a loan. <laughs> to survive, yeah. <laughs> to survive, need loan. No, this time it's different. What? No, that's the line. Everyone thinks this time it's different. And it's not. It's all, all this is gonna cause a recession. You didn't even catch the rush hour joke. What? My name is you. Oh, not I mean you. Oh, <laughs> I had to catch the reference. Come on, it's man. been a long time, man. Oh. I saw a video the Damn other day it. recently of like it was uh, Jackie Chan standing next to his daughter watching some of the... Crying old... like a little bitch. And I got to be honest though, you, it, I almost cried too. It got me though. I yeah. love me some Jackie Chan. His daughter, who, who's like a mildly... I mean, for Jackie Chan's daughter, is not what I thought. She's mildly attractive, right? Like, you know, oh, like, I didn't... I didn't I, hold on. And Rel- you're like, relax. Hey, I'm not co-signing of that. I, I just know his daughter, bro. I'm not checking out his daughter. I was stunned that his daughter didn't look like him. Yeah, really? Yeah, she looks like... I mean, she's a pretty girl. And you're like, you know, I mean, she looks like... I'm not gonna lie, I was locked in on Jackie. I was looking at his eyes. I felt it. You didn't see the, the video of them getting that closer together no, and her like I rubbing did. his back and everything. Yeah, he, he didn't even put his arm around her. He's just like, nothing. Yeah, he's straight cold, <laughs> stoned, or yeah. like, bitch. Yeah, I need to thank you right now. Yeah, like, man, I'm not even gonna get into it. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna leave that right there. <laughs> leave it alone. You know, I mean, as whatever it is, what it is. So, but if you believe your own pal, okay. Right. This next July meeting is supposed to be open to the public with cameras and the whole thing. He did say it's going to be live. It's going to be live. That's he what he did. said. Why the fuck would you do it live now? You know why? Because he's like, these motherfuckers letting me roast out here by myself, yeah. knowing that this shit is fucked up. I need you guys to ask them some questions. So now we get to all watch Neil Kashkari hand up the crayons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my issue, the issue that I'm taking up with them right now is, because it remains to be seen, right? We use uh, GDP for the Q1 has already been revised up. GDP for Q2, they feel like, look, we still have room to operate. Unemployment still at 3.6% based on the last jobs report. Yep. Right? My issue is you come out and say, we're going to pause because we want to implement a wait and see approach. Explain to me how one month is enough for a wait and see approach when you have on your own accord mentioned there are lagging effects to this oh yeah and and i believe that after 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation we're going to see even laggier lag times that makes sense laggy the laggiest of lag times the laggiest if if there's anything that's been proven this time around makes sense 
over the last year, yeah. okay, if there's anything that's been proven after 10 consecutive interest rate hikes, is that there is a lag. Because there in no world should there be this little of elasticity where they can in, increase the interest rates this high and shit has not broken yet. No, right? It's fucked up. Can you imagine that shit? That's what I'm trying to say. Can you imagine trying this hard and not get... I'll be honest. Like, as much as we fuck around and find out with Jerome Powell and we make, you know, comments and stuff like that, even if you're an economist, you don't have to be the FOMC member. If you're an economist and you're studying this shit, people come to you like, hey, Saeed, um, (laughs) you're the chief economist of the higher standard. Um, What's going to happen? What do you think? This is what they should... I don't fucking know, man. I'm going to be honest. This shit's not moving. the The way I would explain it, I wouldn't even act like I know. I'd be like, you seen how fucked up this shit is? How am I supposed to know? Uh, I'll tell you what normally happens. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. None of the shit that we're experiencing now. Right. That's what normally happens. Yeah, I'll tell you what normally happens. A recession's around the corner. Yeah. I can, just can't tell you when. Sometime between now and a year and a half from now. Although I do have a, I have a new developing theory, which we talked about on, on previous shows. I've kind of alluded to it. I was talking to the chief economist for real estate at Moody's, who's a wonderful guy. I met him the other day. What's his name? Huh? What's his name? I don't want to shout him out on the show because I don't know if he wants to be associated with me. I'm kind of a scumbag. Chief economist of Moody's. No, chief Reese. Sorry, of real, chief, estate. real estate. A real estate. Yeah, terrifying. So, yeah, got it. Yeah, so not Zandy, but I not think, the other guy. Yeah, the other guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, great guy. We were having this conversation casually over lunch, and we were talking about, you know, consumers and and just in general, like the kind of the macro picture, right? Mm-hmm. And this this theory is starting to click more and more. I talk about it with other people. We had fourteen years of artificial interest rate deflation. Mm-hmm. Where rates were held low for a long period of time. Then we rolled into an unprecedented pandemic where we pumped two, two point three trillion dollars into savings for consumers. Yeah. And into businesses. And that we pumped even more money into businesses. Right. And now you got consumer spending, which makes 70% consumption of GDP. Right. Keep keeping GDP up, people keep spending. Yep. And we're like, look, man, like all this negative stuff's happening. Like, why aren't consumers pulling back? And then I go look at look at this all and I go, well. Because they don't believe you. Because for 14 years. It's a combination of, of, of that and you can't just break their behavior. Yeah, but think about the micro psychological implications of social media. Right. You, hustle culture. Mm-hmm. Hustle culture really developed in the last 10 to 15 years. Okay. Right? Like this, yeah. this monetary like hustle culture. I don't want a nine to five. I want to, everybody wants to be independent. Think about it like the 1920s, Very 1930s. True. It was all about getting a job, getting a stable job, working right through a company, getting a high level position. Some people were entrepreneurs. It was, you know, there was a good spread. Now everybody wants to be self-employed. Everybody wants everybody, to be self-employed, work from home, have all the remote capabilities in the world. They want like a funnel or click through and this and that. And they want to be able to be on an island somewhere and work and make millions of dollars. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the new vibe. That is a new vibe. I've never imagined that this many young people would talk about investing in real estate at such a young age. That was not a conversation young people were because having. Because when, when we were young, everyone was like, fuck, you need a lot of money to do this. Right. I don't have a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, Monopoly was around back then. I mean, they knew about it, but they weren't talking about I mean, it. Monopoly is a severely underrated game for the business world. Oh, uh, we, we have special house rules. Special house rules? <laughs> yeah, we had like special house rules. So like, I'll, like, we could syndicate deals during the game. So you'll be like, Going around, they land on a property that they can buy. They don't have the money for it. All right, I'll front you the money for forty percent every time somebody lands on it. That's life. <laughs> That's life. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't get mad at <laughs> yeah. me. Oh, we got oh, no limited partnership. oh, and and if I land on it because you really need to buy this property because I see that you don't have a lot of property right now, 
when I land on it, I get three free stays. So when I land on it, I don't got to pay you. Wow. I mean, it's, it, it, there's levels to Monopoly. You doing this with seven-year-olds? <laughs> yeah. I do it with my son and my yeah. daughter. Make sure I come out on top every time. Yo, that syndicated son, give me half. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that what you're doing? Yeah. Teach him. Got to teach him early. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean. No, no. These, these are like family games, cousin games. I don't, I don't play Monopoly with family. It gets too. I, I'm, I'm ruthless. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to stay at this fucking table until yeah. one of us wins That's this the problem game. with Monopoly. It goes forever. It, I mean, it's, it's the patience. It's whoever's the most patient is going to yeah. win this game. But that's also life. Mm. Wow, that was profound. We didn't do that on purpose. We just okay. smart people. Motherfuckers over here talking. Cheers, man. God damn it. It's my birthday. Warren Buffett. I'm Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Munger. Munger. Yeah, no, right. I want to be Charlie, though. No, you're getting sassy. <laughs> I be you're getting Charlie. sassy for that. All right. The guy who eats burgers and drinks sodas. <laughs> Quoted from the article from Bloomberg. The consumer price index rose 3% last month from a year ago. Mm. The smallest advance in more than two years, according to data out Wednesday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Mm -hmm. Excluding food and energy, the core CPI, which is the Fed's preferred metric. Yes. Which economists view as a better indicator of the underlying inflation advanced to 4.8%. Also. The lowest since 2021. And this is the point in the show where I look at Saeed because it says Saeed with the breakdown. And I say, Saeed, I, I got a lot of problems. Give me the breakdown. I got a lot of issues with a lot of shit. In as this. we all should. And people are using this as like an optimistic hope. And they're all like comfortable with it. And I'm like, man, I'm not even sure. the F1 People that series. I respect over at the Wall Street Journal using it as optimism. I'm like, come on, y'all know better. What's going on here? First of all, look at the range. Okay, the headline figure, meaning inflation came out at 3%. Mm -hmm. Okay. First of all, we all, why, why doesn't anybody believe what Jerome Powell and the FOMC is saying? We care about core inflation because food and energy is too volatile, right? It can swing the report. This report right here was a perfect example of that. Perfect example of like, look, if you include food and energy, we're down to 3%. But you remove it, we're all the way back up to 4.8%. More than double the target range. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pause you right here. Okay? Okay. Just you and me, friends. Let's go. Homie to homie. Homie to homie. All right. I can't tell what you want. <laughs> what do you mean? Do you want the Fed to pause and, and wait a little longer for they yes. raise rates? Absolutely. Or are you advocating right now they should raise rates because core inflation no, is 4.8? No, no. I, I believe that the wait and see approach is the right way to go. I just wish they would wait at least till the end of the year now. Be only because that's a fair statement. And I, we got charts to prove that out. We have charts to prove that out. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait at least to the end of the year, but we know they don't want to because it's going to interfere with some upcoming things the following year that they don't want to interfere. November 5th, 2024, with. the election. The election, right? So if they truly wait, if they would wait and see, because they on their own accord, Jerome Powell especially, has said shelter will come down, housing will come down in these reports by the end of the year. I don't, you know, I thought for sure when he said that, mm -hmm. that the National Association of Realtors, like social media, people would pick this up and they'd be like, all right, let's just the fuck up about housing prices for a little while. Cause you know, yeah. Powell said this. Yeah. He said, this is going to happen. Well, and every, everyone, act, people act like it was never said. It's they, not, they're just it, like, it, it was never a thing. It it's was, not, and it's not, it's not just that we know you and I know, especially in this space right. that the amount of multifamily units that are coming online in the upcoming future. Particularly in the Sunbelt region. So California, Texas, all the way down to Texas, the states in between, obviously, all the way right. up through Florida. Once those come online, Ooh. we already know those asking rents aren't as high. They're actually coming in 
you know, stagnant, if not a little bit lower. Let me be clear here. Class A luxury high-end properties, mm-hmm. more deliveries in the next several months in those regions than ever before in history. Right, but they will be compared to what you know the current ones are now or what but they were a year ago. Class B, Class C, workforce, housing, that's not super luxury stuff. Yes. That's going to be good. That is going to be good. So let's dive into some of the numbers here, okay? Energy prices. This was down 16.7% from a year ago. Why? That because of oil, right? We all remember last year in California, I can speak for California, gas prices were above $7 a gallon. Yeah. Right? Now we're up to like $5, $4.90, right? Maybe for paying premium, maybe above five. Okay. And it's still a little artificially inflated because OPEC cut production. Yes. Still, even that still. But that, this is, this report is a premier example of why you, they want to exclude energy and food. Because it's too volatile. Yeah, it moves the needle. It does move the needle a lot. And especially for oil, it bleeds in to so many different aspects, you know, across inflation that you really, even though you're removing it from, you know, the energy portion of the report, it still impacts other things. But you can't, I mean, it's not a perfect science, right? Hmm. So next, here we go. Services, inflation. This is the Fed's primary target. This is what they're looking at. Because if you look at shelter, shelter came in at a plus 7.8% in this report, okay? Headline, CPI was at 3%. Core inflation, 4.8, right? This 7.8% accounts for 70% of that figure. Wow. Right? And this isn't even their primary target. They know it's coming down. So the numbers here, you go back to March. Shelter was up 8.2%. April, 8.1%. Notice the trend. May, 8.0%. June, now 7.8%. Slowly coming down. Very slow, but this is an ongoing trend that's going, and they know that there's a lag effect to this. It Mm -hmm. takes time because this, like we've talked about before, is entirely based on existing executed contracts. Not asking rents, but things that get executed and once they get reported every six months through the different panels across the nation, right? So this is slowly coming down. Jerome Powell, OMC members, also agree to it. Services, services inflation, their primary target, up 6.2% from a year ago. So that's down from 6.6% last month, but arguably the most important for the Federal Reserve. This has to do with labor market and wages. Okay, we dive into wages. The jobs report that we discussed last week, I believe, right? Where it came in at 209,000 jobs. Remain- the Labor Department one, not the ADP one. Not, the, not private sector. The, yeah. yeah, the Labor Department one. Remains to be seen if that's going to be revised down or not, right? But that, in that report, not only do they talk about unemployment, not don't, they talk about you know, wages, but wage growth was up 4.4%. Why does that matter, right? Wage growth is up 4.4%, but inflation, right? Core inflation is up how much? 4.8%. Your buying power is still not there. So there's going to be still increased demand on people who are working in the workforce. I need to make more money, right? In order to, look at me like smirking. 
No, I'm, I'm proud, bro. Proud. Yo, go in. So people are people, go off, King. Go off, King. Riz is on fire right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, people, there's still going to be a demand for for people in the workforce to add, demand more money, which is ultimately going to cycle itself back in and cause inflation to go even higher. So it's got to be your birthday to bring energy. That's what I. That's what I'm hearing right now. No, so we we got to bring the drinks back. The whiskey. Yeah. Look, I'm happy to do that with you, man. But I mean. I know you've been on your diet again. Look, you're wearing your Nikes. When you wear like your sweatsuits again, I know like you're into it. You worked out twice today. I yeah. saw the I saw the workout Peloton in the morning. Yeah. Lift session at night. And cardio. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm doing an hour of cardio a day, man. That's a lot. It's a lot. Half an hour in the morning, about 20 minutes on the stairmaster, and then I'll do like 10 minutes of like low intensity steady state while I'm kind of cooling down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wait. That's when I feel the best too. Low uh, low intensity steady state. I'm only well. I'm only doing that because like all that cardio, like real quick, started mm-hmm. like hitting my hips and like my like you know, my body a little hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm old, man. That's what happens when you're old. You listen to the mind pump guys. They're like, you don't even need that shit. What low intensity steady state? No, no, the high intensity stuff. You can get away. You really don't. Just just for me because I'm trying to jump. Mm-hmm. So I know my body responds better to it. But it's, but I, I was listening to an episode, an older episode, not too long ago, where Sal was breaking it down. He's like, look, you don't need it. Like he shows, like I don't, I hardly do any high intensity stuff to get, you know, this lean. Mm-hmm. But if you were to do running, running is a skill. At the end of the day, you have to practice it. Yeah. And if you enjoy it, you're gonna have to practice it in order to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's some, you know. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy running, so I don't do it. But like, you used master. to be heavy into it. You? You? you running? Should, yeah. Remember on the beach, we were we had the Nike competition challenge for a little while oh that wasn't really running per se that was more like just the beach it's hard like running in the sand at the beach it was just hard work yeah i was trying to get my heart rate up mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't like it. and then i had a homeless dude like, chase after me it was very awkward <laughs> really yeah this is why i stopped doing it you didn't know this no i didn't know this so i, I used to wake up early go to laguna beach in the morning right yeah. like this moment like it was like a, a moment on the sand in the water i just get out of my jeep and like i'd walk down to the water yeah you know and uh i mean it's like five minutes from my house and then I would run barefoot up and down from like on, on Main Beach. I'd yeah. run from basically the basketball courts all the way down to the end where the hotels are, where mm-hmm. like the rocks come back and then back again. Mm. Right. And then I just do like a walk in between and run it again. Got it. So, and I always have my Beats by Dre on these big ass headphones. Those are the best headphones. The you best know, headphones. They're the worst. You know yeah. what? Because people want it, they'll still come and approach you. Yeah. No, the Beats by Dre say fuck off. Yeah. So I'm running. At a sprint, I see a homeless dude on my left on the on like on the bench, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I swear I hear something, but I'm you know I got my beats on, I can't hear. I'm just mm-hmm. music. I look over my shoulder just by hunch. Mm-hmm. This fucking homeless dude's chasing me. Yeah, and I'm fat, so he's he's catching up. Yeah, <laughs> right. So anyway, I get to the end, and he's still like chasing me, and I finally turn around, and he starts like screaming at me. I take my headphones off. He's it's like all incoherent shit. Right, and I like run around him. And this dude like starts like screaming that like he's gonna kill me and shit. And I was like, yo, this is weird, man. Like, I'm just right. trying to hear you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get my 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 flow right for the day. Like, you know, yeah, just this get... is, I'm trying to start my day. He's trying yeah. to end my day. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> and it was such an off-putting thing, I just never went back. Oh wow. Um, because the homeless population down there is pretty bad now. That's crazy. And I mean, it, it was just weird. And it was, I thought about it, like, look, I got a like a wife and a son, mm-hmm. and there's nobody down there that early. Yeah. If that guy had a gun or if he was crazy. I got no. I got approached by two guys once that I thought were homeless. Mm. I didn't know that they weren't homeless, and they took offense to me ignoring them. So I was in I was in law school at the time, and I went grocery shopping at night. I'll never forget it was Halloween. Right? I know the story very well. 
Huh? I know the story very well. You know the story very well. What well, grocery shopping on Halloween? I didn't go out that night, even though I got invited to multiple places. Because you're popular. Very popular, but I was wanted to be a good boy, right? Stay in, get some work, and decided to do some grocery shopping to take a little break. Came out. I used to I used to do my grocery shopping with headphones in, just to you know listen to whatever I want to listen to while I'm shopping. I come out. There's two people standing outside, and they say something to me. I got my headphones in. I think they're homeless because I don't really look over. I just keep walking. I'm like, I'm going to ignore this, you know? And it's, mind you, the parking lot is empty, okay? It's late. It's 10 p.m. I'm walking my car. My car and maybe just a few of the employees' cars are in the parking lot. And I get all into my car, and I turn around, and these guys are now walking, two guys walking to me in my car. I pick out the headphones. Can I help you? They go, why are you ignoring us? I'm like, I wasn't ignoring you, man. Sorry, I had my headphones in. And I could tell that something was about to go down. So I say, hey, take whatever you want. I don't have anything. I'm just a student. Now, here, take it, take it, right? Next thing I know, one guy turns to the side, and he's got his you know, fist clenched. Right before I could even react, I try to start defending myself. My back's up against the car. Like, okay, I got I to gotta swing and try to get out of this. Otherwise, I'm dead. I don't know what's about to happen. I swing. I hit one guy. The other guy, unbeknownst to me, is like world-class UFC fighter, <laughs> okay? Roundhouse kicks me to the ribs, and next thing you know, I crack a rib, and I'm dead. And a security guard comes running out and like saves saves the day. That's end up at the hospital. I got a broken rib. It was all bad. Did they, did they take anything from you? No, they were just upset that I ignored them. I don't know, I don't even know what they asked me when I came out because I had headphones in. Maybe they asked me, "Hey, do you have any spare change?" I don't know what they asked me. Probably asked you, do you want a roundhouse kick to your ribs? I mean, bro, it was Halloween. They're probably I don't know. They they were looking. They were on something. They were looking yeah. to start something. Right, I'm like, damn, that's what I get for staying in. You know, so incredible. that's a lesson. Don't stay in, kids. Yeah, it's so, incredible. I mean, don't do your homework. All the body fat you carry around, you think that would protect your ribs? I swear to God, no. Back then, it was come on. Yeah, I mean, this was a long time ago. Hey, back then you were thick, thick. I was, I was thick, thick. Thicky, thick. Okay, thicky, thick. If you say so. Um, you were in law school, bro. You were rotund. No, it was free. It was year one. Yeah, that's where you gain all the weight. <laughs> year one, semester one. Bro, I gained a ton of weight. Really? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing basketball every day. So just to dive in a little bit further on that, why uh, services inflation is the Fed's primary target, and I think it's really important to dive into, right? Why wages is so important, why the Fed is looking at it, because it impacts the report in so many different way- ways. So there's a cost-push effect that we've routinely talked about on the show, right? When wages goes up, it can lead to higher production costs for companies across the board. Yeah, they got to pay their employees more money, so naturally the products cost more money for them to manufacture. It costs more money to manufacture, and they got to pass those higher costs onto you now, the consumer, right? Cost me more money, going to cost you more money. All because wages went up. Companies not going to lose profits because it costs them more money. They're going to pass that same profit margin on to you, the end consumer, and say, hey, man, that's what it is. I'm still seeing a fucking healthcare surcharge on restaurant bills. Still. Still. Saw one today. I was like, what? Fuck, really? Damn. Is that here to stay? I think it's here to stay. I mean, why? Yeah. A Probably. 3% healthcare surcharge? So now I'm funding your insurance because you don't want to pay your employees a, a good wage? Right. And if you don't, you're the... Now if you don't tip too, you're the asshole. I, That's fucked up. Bro, I got a war on tipping. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to war, bro. I'm at a point now where I'm like, you turn a screen to me and it says... I know. 15, 18, 20%. Honestly, we should be able to turn it around on them and be like, you tell me what, what you deserve. 
Here's the thing, though. If I order food from you and you turn on those screens, nine times out of ten, you haven't given me my shit yet. That's a huge problem. I don't know what the service level is going to be here. Am I going to get to the side of this, right. like, bar yeah. like wait? Like, <laughs> you know if I mean? you're going to put me in this awkward position, now I got to bring you into an awkward position. Hey, it's telling me how much I should tip you, how much you think you deserve right now. Is my drink ready yet? <laughs> it's not. Okay. No. I'm at 15 now. Is it ready yet now? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm down to 10. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Right? I'm, I'm doing what Jerome Powell did the economy to you. Don't get mad at me because it's going up quick. Right. Do you want me to keep coming back? I want you to have a job. I want to keep coming back. But yeah. at these rates, I can't. I'm trying to do you a solid. Okay? Trying to do you a solid. The other reason why wage inflation is so important, right? It increases consumer demand. So if wages are going up, people have more disposable income, meaning they're able to spend it more on discretionary things, right? Causing inflation, upward pressure on prices for all goods, right? So that's why the Fed and everyone, you're, if you're listening to these topics, you're hearing the Fed is targeting unemployment or employment, whichever way you want to look at it, and wages. They need these to come down so that there's an effect across the board on spending. My second theory, in addition to the, hey, consumers aren't believing it because they've been spoiled for 14 years. Yes. My second theory is that the jobs reports Fucked are up. fucked up. It's, it ain't true. It ain't true. Come on. I, I truly believe that there are more people with two jobs still to this day that we acknowledge. And I truly believe there's a lot of people with second side hustles that are calling themselves unemployed that really have a main job. Yeah. There's a lot of things. If you, if you start thinking about the rhetoric that you see online on mm -hmm. social media. Right. There's a lot of things that people say and think about themselves or categorize themselves in a certain way, type mm -hmm. of way. Right. That really changes the rhetoric and perspective. You can just see how if these things are happening in the workforce, right. there could be a lot of confusion as to what the jobs number really is. Yeah. And actually, these survey, there's surveys going around now that are in like the jobs report and consumer sentiment that really gauge, you know, overall where people feel like they're going to be in 12 months from now, not only with their jobs, but where the economy is going to be. And you're starting to see people start to swing back. The quit rate is starting to go down because. People are starting to recognize that the employer is starting to get the upper hand again, right? They realize it's it might be harder for me to obtain another I know job. I know that's what the numbers say. Mm -hmm. Got to be honest, I'm not seeing that in the workforce though. Really, I, people are still like quitting and like moving to different jobs. I mean, that might there be used to be a period of time in America, man, where you had like 10, 15 years tenure. People were like, oh my god, Billy and Bobby, they're so talented. They've been at this company for 15, 20 years. Like, oh my god, it's amazing. Look at that great. That now. That's an now it's conversation like, I wanted to have with you. Now it's different. If like it's like, ooh, you've been in a couple of 15 years? Ooh, you must not be very good at your job. You must be See, up being high demand. Is that is that Anything? really the look? From an employer, from someone that hires people, yeah. right? From someone that like in your position, how do you view it? Because I know you hear from a lot of people, especially a lot of people my age, they feel like the only way to truly get up in the world, right? In the corporate world is to jump from job to job, maybe a year to two years after staying at each spot. And for me, it's like, wait, hold on. You haven't even been there long enough to understand mm -hmm. what the company is doing and what they're about. So what, what are you really carrying over to the next company? So I've, I've got a pretty wild card opinion about this. Oh, and yeah. they're, they're conflicting views. And I recognize that I'm going to be different for a lot of people. Yeah. The quickest way to move up in any company is to change companies. Yeah. I know that sounds fucked up. But you, if you start as an underwriter, you start as a teller, people are always going to see you as a teller, as an underwriter. Mm -hmm. And it takes you longer to change the minds of people who know you as one type of thing 
than it would to just go to a new company under a new role and start the new role. Okay. And that being said, there is a positive to going to multiple companies and seeing how multiple different companies work. So if you work at a company two years, three years, another company two years, three years, mm -hmm. you've seen more companies operate than me who's been at one company for 15 years. Right. But my fundamental position with all resumes, mm -hmm. I know this is going to offend some people. Okay. All resumes are lies. All of them. It's like the it's it's like the original Instagram page. <laughs> Even if you're telling the the complete God's honest truth about all the stuff that you did mm -hmm. and all the titles that you had, it doesn't mean that you're a hard worker. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you actually did those things yourself, or that they just reported up through you and you had people who did them for you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you still work as hard as you once did 10, 15 years ago. There's a number of people that I've ran across in business with unbelievable pedigree, unbelievable resumes. So what is it? What does it take? So is it more of a referral game for you? Like I need this, I need to hire somebody that gets referred over to me by someone I know. You know, it's different. It's actually much different. It, it's it's not what people think. When I hire somebody, mm -hmm. if I if I know you've been in the game for long enough, if if you're applying for like a job as a an analyst, yeah, and I know you've done certain things, I figure you you're smart enough. To figure it out. I truly believe that anyone can do anyone else's job if given the opportunity and they want to work hard enough. Yeah. Okay? It's not that complicated. Mm -hmm. Now, it certainly helps if you've got experience and you've got time. Right. The problem is most companies can't give you time to fucking work. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to give you the opportunity because they don't have time for you to learn the job. But here, here's what I'll tell you. If you're in the interview with me and I like you as a person, you seem like somebody I could see myself working with, Yes. You got a leg up. Right there. Because at the end of the day, if you and I can work together and we can collaborate as a team, mm -hmm. you have a personality that that works with my team. Yes. You're going to preserve culture and you're going to care about them because you guys get each other. Right. And I know that sucks because it's an intangible thing. Mm -hmm. But when you go into a job interview, if your boss is stiff and rigid and asking all these questions and they're not loose and open and, and free with you, you got to ask yourself, you know, like working for that boss? Probably right. not. Exactly. And on the converse side, if you're, if you're, you know, the guy doing the interview or girl doing the interview, mm -hmm. you're talking to somebody and they can't loosen up with you because they're so corporate and nervous about getting a job. Maybe you call them back for a second interview if, if you liked them, you saw some potential. Right. But if they can't loosen up at any point in those two interviews, then... They're probably not the right fit. No. And I know it sounds, that sounds terrible because I'm overlooking resumes and pedigree and age and experience and all those things. That's what matters the most to me. Right. I try to, uh, some of my younger cousins that reach out and ask me for tips, I'm like, I, what I tell them is something somewhat similar. Like, I can't give you, at the end of the day, I don't know who's going to be interviewing you. I don't know what the company needs, right? At the end of the day, there is a human element to all of this. Yeah. So you have to be somewhat likable, right? You have to not only sell yourself in the sense of why you're good for the job, but why you are a good fit for them. There's a couple of things that I don't like having questions right up front. Oh, like them asking you? If you ask me two questions up front these days, oh. they're automatic. Like, I'm done with you. I got the I guess one. Yeah. Um, can I work remote? Yep. You're out. Out. Peace. I knew it. You're out. Yeah. If that's more important to you than getting a job. Yeah. Then I got to be honest with you. This ain't a job for you. I can yeah. You can tell that culturally it's not going to fit. Yeah. Not you're not you're not you're not thinking the right way. Right, makes sense. Right. Number two, if you're more concerned about the comp than you are getting to know if the job's the right fit, I don't want. Here's the way I look at it: is 
Is the comp that's, is that's an interesting one. I don't know. The compensation is on the job, the range. Oh, now most nowadays, yeah. nowadays it wasn't like that though. You nowadays on most, like, you know, a range when you come in. Yeah, and that's totally fair to ask HR before you come in. If you get to me and you have an interview oh, that's with me, a, that's a pro- the proper etiquette is to ask HR, not the person interviewing you. No, you ask before you get there because if that's if that's that much of a concern for you taking this job, yes, then you should ask that question, to HR. What's the range? Yeah, and HR will tell you. If you're talking to me and you're more concerned about the money than you are about being the right fit, yes, ain't a job for you. Interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, because they yeah they messed up by not asking at the right opportune time. Or if you're gonna ask, wait till the interview is done and then go back to HR and ask them. Well, or better still, go through the rounds. Like if you go through a second interview and you're still unsure about the money, that that's okay to ask. I get that, but you ask HR, you don't ask the person interviewing you. Don't make that part awkward because the person interviewing you is likely going to have some input in this. Yes. Number one. Number two, the way I look at it is simple. Is you should be more concerned about fit and culture. And then if I like you and you are a fit, maybe I'll stretch to get you. Right. Maybe I give you an offer letter and it's not where you want it. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm, I'm going to need more. And you explain it. That gets back to me and I go, man. This girl came in, she seen, she presented well, she seems cool, I really like her, I think she'll really fit with our team. I'm going to try to get to a higher number for her. Yeah. But you've completely eroded that credibility in that conversation by asking up front. I've already told you a number, you knew that, guess what? Mm-hmm. Now you come back to me asking for more. Well, I told you when you asked me what the, what the range was. Right. So why are you coming back to me now? Why are we doing this now? Yeah. Makes sense. So it sounds like it, 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 right. If you're the right fit, you might you might break some of your own rules just to get them. A hundred percent. If you're if I truly believe you are the absolute right fit, mm-hmm. I might stretch. Yeah, you might stretch. So break your rules like the way Goldman Sachs does these days. Man, before we get there, we got two charts. Chart number one mm-hmm. is CPI. It's in the yes. show notes. Got it right here. Look. Yeah, I'm taking a look. It's in the CPI. It's in the CPI. Oh, dude, in the, this, the oh, dude, this was this was his cue for you to pull it up on yeah. the show. Arun, you're gonna pull this up for us. Oh, wait, you're not here. Yeah, if you guys haven't noticed yet, back to back episodes. Chris fired him. Fucked up. I didn't fire him. <laughs> Everybody's got COVID in his house. Everybody. And you know, it's your birthday. You're going to San Francisco. Can't have that. Yeah, I'm going to see my mom. Yes, definitely can't have that. Mm-mm. Inflation in the U.S. decelerates by more than forecast, and what you have. Focus on the orange line is the change in CPI year over year. It peaks in May. Guess what? It is on a pretty significantly fast downward spiral mm-hmm. to June. But That's data. Well, hold on. Hold on. We know a big portion of that, though, has to do with oil. Yeah, no, no. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying there's not factors. Yeah. I'm just saying objectively speaking. Yeah. But the other reason why that's a big change the Fed needs to be at least at least recognizing. They need to recognize it, but they've said on their own accord, we know this is CPI. We care about PCE. Okay. So this is this ain't the one. So the next chart. Okay. Super core inflation rate decelerates notably. Is that in your show notes? You see it? Yes. This one right here. Okay. Blue bars, green line, green line basically starts off going to the right and then pivots downward pretty fast. Yeah, like Chris's testosterone. Man, that's hurtful. That's fucked up. Did I? Sorry. Fucked up. I you went, said that I out loud? Down. Oh, I was supposed to get my shot today. You reminded me. That actually. That's what I that, do. You actually that's did. That's what I do. Honestly. Damn. Yeah. Cerebral. 
That's why I feel like my boobies are big right now. <laughs> Shit. I was looking at the video earlier we were doing. I'm like, why do my titties look big? You, you get nipple sensitivity again? <laughs> I'm so emotional. Yeah, good call. Good yeah. job. I totally forgot. All right. So super core inflation rate decelerates notably is the title of the chart. And you can see it. It's a pretty hardcore spin to the right. I'm not saying this is significantly better. Keep in mind the range here isn't that wide. But mm-hmm. what I am saying is you are seeing some improvement. We are. Some improvement. So is it wise to raise rates again? Or should you wait a little bit longer? And I, I'm, I'm an advocate for waiting longer. I'm an advocate for waiting longer as well. I don't know what what's the rush when you, you come out and you say we want to implement a wait and see approach. Hold on. Since when was an approach one month? Yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, hey, you I'm know, gonna, I'm, we've, I'm been, go on a, we've been dating for 30 days now. Yeah. I, I feel like I should be able to demand blowjobs. <laughs> okay, I was going to go a different way. Yeah, but that we, works I mean, cool. That's okay, too. I was going to say, you know, I put on put on a, a few LBs. I'm going to try a, a diet approach and I'm going to give it a month. And if I don't see results, fuck it. I mean, you gonna, are you going to fast? <laughs> no, it didn't work for you. <laughs> Did not work. I don't enjoy it. Yeah, it's not not fun. I did try something new because it was all throat clearing. Yeah. I literally read this is a s- super ghetto ass, re- like ghetto ass. It's ghetto. Yeah. Ghetto home remedy. I took <laughs> olive oil and honey. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Warmed it up. Where'd you put that olive oil and honey? You know what I mean? It is kind of lubricated. Yeah. <laughs> I warmed it up in a cup and I put it in the back of my throat and I gargled it. You did. And then I swallowed what? it. <sighs> wow. That's a lot. Because of all the throat clearing. Yes. Did it help? It tasted spicy, but there was nothing spicy in it. And it was such a bizarre sensation. Weird. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. Mentally, what did it do for you? Did it stimulate you at all? I would tell you what my wife said, but it is wildly inappropriate. Okay, so let's leave that practice yeah, show. Let's, yeah. that. let's not yeah. drag Joanna into yeah, this. That's, 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 <laughs> I was like, honey, I just did this. And she's like, well, that's like, Wow. All right. So, what could be worse, though, is that uh, I could be DJing tonight, but uh, I am not the head of Goldman. So, I'm going to read you uh, from a Bloomberg Business article a nice little two paragraph quote here. And I'm going to say, damn. Damn. Not good. No. Rarely has Goldman Sachs worked so hard to unimpress. Mm. The Wall Street giant has embraced a new game plan to avoid a third straight quarter of disappointing investors on earnings day. This Friday is a big day in bank earnings. Yes. I believe uh, JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo and Citi are reporting, kicking off bank earnings season. Got it. Goldman is part of that season. You have to be a certain size. Do they get to decide when they kick off their earnings? Like, how much say do you get in when you release your earnings? You're a little far away from the mic there. Are you no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Sorry, I was pulling it in. Pulling it in, baby. Yeah. Uh, you can go out whenever you, whenever you want. So there's no, like, specific time. There's, oh, there's not, like, a time. I mean, if, everybody has, like, their time that they typically go. But, right. I, mean, I mean, you just. I mean, if you you're basically, too much off track, it, it brings a little bit of concern. Like, wait, why are they stalling? Right. Well, it's not really stalling. You just announce your earnings call at a certain time. Okay. Everybody reads in everything. But, I mean, 
So you like announcement before, then you'll announce like the calling information for shareholders because shareholders have mm-hmm. a right to call in and listen. Yes. So also like that. Okay. Know? So that being said, it's not like a big deal. Okay. You just want to be consistent. Right. Right. So uh, breaking with its own longstanding convention, Goldman executives have been actively downplaying expectations for results that will be disclosed next week. So Goldman had crushed it. They were one of the biggest and best investment banks in the world at one point in time. Highly regarded. If you worked at Goldman Sachs, that's on your resume. Like, that's impressive. People in the banking community. Right. Unless you're me. And you're arrogant. Mm-hmm. Everybody else. Very impressive. <laughs> the outcome analysts have slashed. Nothing that follows that is going to be good. That's bad news, yeah. Their estimate for quarterly profit by almost half since mid-June. It's got to be a lot. The biggest revision before an earnings report under CEO David Solomon. Of course, they're going to highlight this. CEO DJ David Solomon. They left that part out? They left it out. This translates into one of the steepest profit drops amongst peers and a return on equity that could slip below 5%. I mean, that's got to be across the board, right? So again, Criticism on David Solomon and Goldman Sachs, but reality, this is an industry-wide thing. I've seen several analyst revisions of banks mid-month like month, mm-hmm. during a very profitable time or less, I guess, stigmatized time, if you will. I mean, I'm trying to think of the proper vernacular here. Right. Th- there wouldn't be so many revisions. I just feel like the timing of it all. Like when it like there can't be a good time, right? Because you're 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 slashing your expectations to properly align. Well, the analysts who cover their stock are slashing their expectations, right? Because they believe that this downplaying is trying to set the tone for the market. They're going to be making a lot less, which yes, is effectively what they're saying. And, and they want to make sure that okay, because if they leave the expectations where they are and they come in far low, it's a really bad look. Not only for Goldman Sachs, but also. For the analysts, and well, the analysts are giving coming. guidance what they think is going to happen. And if you're an analyst and you your job is to monitor the stock and give guidance, and you're that right. far off, are you doing a good job of your your job? I mean, you know, are you, you are they're trying to well? maintain credibility, exactly, right, and manage so, expectations. And here's the problem: is you can't tell the market we're going to do less. That's non-public information. Yes, under SEC rules. Mm-hmm. But them downplaying their earnings and kind of like subtly suggesting like, hey, you don't expect like crazy earnings. I mean, we are going through some making turmoil here. Yeah. That alludes to them making less money and that has an impact. Right. People don't realize that this, the stuff that's being said by publicly traded executives, even myself, mm-hmm. they have reverberating impacts. Yes. You have to be very, very careful when talking about your company be very very careful when you when you trade anything in your sector if you're in um tech right publicly similarly publicly traded companies you may have insider information it's very difficult to just go out there and do things that i mean no different no no different than when you know uh, silicon valley bank decided to realize some of their losses the way they're having a capital issue what's going on over there yeah they can't just do that and all of a sudden shore up some capital and then now they can fund all their, you know, depositors that are leaving. And you can't explain to the market what's going on without, yeah. you know, causing SEC implications. It's not so black and white. People are like, oh, why didn't they say this? Or why didn't they do this? Or why didn't they get out in front of it? And it's like, well, because they couldn't. Yeah. They're a publicly traded company and, and they have limitations on what they can say at certain periods of time, usually yeah. quarterly. Right. 
So it's very difficult. Uh, now you'll you will see companies report like their quarterly stuff and then go into the month for the earnings calls, right? So if mm-hmm. you're like uh, your calls on the 25th or 26th, there's 27th of, of July, mm-hmm. and you say okay, but quarter ended on June 30th. Yeah, I'm going to talk about my June 30th numbers, but I'm going to go into the month to maybe today or maybe like mid July. Yeah, and give you updates in the then. You can do that on your earnings call, right? It makes right? it makes sense, right? Because yeah. you can show them like, okay, I know these came in below expectations, but here's what we've what done. we've done since that since time then to make sure yeah. that we've managed proper expectations. And it's better or it's worse, yeah. and, and you can do it that way because it's all public. People, all your shareholders listening. I mean, this is a real PR move. It is, and there's there's subtle ways you can manipulate it, and I'm not an expert in all of them. Mm-hmm. But it, there, there's a lot of rules and regulations of what you can say and how you can say it. And I'll be honest, there, there are times where where I've had to stop and hesitate and go, okay, can I say this? Simple things. Like, I, I want to respond to people on Twitter. Yeah. They'll say stuff on Twitter or, like, Instagram, and I want to respond. Be as transparent as possible. Yeah, and I, and I just can't. Yeah, it sucks. Because that's not the... And so sometimes you wonder if somebody knows the rules and are baiting you, or if yeah. they're just being cavalier and they don't understand. That's the slimy dirtiest part about you know corporate america is like you don't know you don't know if someone is just being genuine or they're trying to bait you speaking of which you hear they found cocaine in the white house on yeah. the west wing they gave up on looking looking for it or figuring out a solution as to why it was there and the explanation is there could be hundreds of people who walk by there every single day but hold on are we gonna just assume that this is the first time cocaine's been in the white house no stop it no we're not stop it right first of all second of all it's the west wing of the white house and you don't know everybody's walked by there let me tell you right now they're all partying there could be hundreds of people. What the fuck is going on in the West Wing? I know it's not Biden's cocaine. Check him off the list. Yeah, it ain't. You know? I mean, yeah. You never know. He might need a bump just to stand in front of that podium. You don't know. If that guy's on cocaine and still looks like that, like I'm telling you right he's now. On Adder- he's on Adderall, right? Come on. I, I don't even know. Got no. to be. Hmm. And why does he always He's on Prevagen. Uh, what's that? I don't <laughs> the, even know what the, that the is. The mind one. <laughs> Keep your mind fresh. Yeah. <laughs> he's on MK Ultra. No. I don't like how he's always doing this like, he's like this like, upbeat like runner and now i'm always worried about him falling again like come on man like, yeah don't don't fake the funk yeah bro like just like, relax you don't need to look athletic for me to just be, I, i'm not buying you're it 80 some years old you can act, you can act like my grandpa be 80 just be my grandpa right yeah, yeah that's it get like one of those trikes yeah you know just roll around i'm okay with that yeah get a big wheel <laughs> you, <laughs> you know what i mean just get a big wheel roll that through just stop why you know, why are I you mean, faking it this ain't you you're not yeah. about this life Can anymore. You get him one of those seats that goes up the stairs for him. <laughs> oh, that's what he needs. Like, that's what you need for Air Force One. Just to get around the White House. <laughs> yeah. Just, he can sit on the thing at the bottom, and it'll go up the side of the rail. Past, yeah. Yeah, while he's sitting Bro, on it. He can wave. You're the president. No risk of falling. If you're his PR team, that's a brilliant move. Honestly, if yeah. If I was the president and I was that old, oh, there'd be all kinds of changes in the White House. And why isn't he doing presidential AARP cards? You know what he needs, right? What? He needs a cold plunge right there in his Oval Office. There's no way in hell he's, he's staying in the cold plunge. <laughs> you, you die? There's just no fucking way. Come on. There's no way. Yeah. He would pop, try to pop out. and that, the, the, the dopamine not... release would be so great. He'd be so happy. This is the science says. I got to be honest. I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm done cold plunging enough. I'm like, you know what? Stop it. Life's too short. Fuck you. Honestly, it's some. I took a cold shower the other day just to be like. It's hurtful, man. I took a cold shower. It's not even remotely close to a cold plunge. And why is nobody talking about the shrinkage? Yeah. Right? That, that's not comfortable. Yeah, and Why? if you're a girl and you're in a cold plunge in a bikini, you don't know what this is like. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> cold plunge with something covering your stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. You don't need to be doing all that. Yeah. Right. And if you're a dude and like 
you're cold plunging. Yeah. And like your package still looks big. You're lying. We're like, just come on. Come on now. Be honest. You put a sock in there. It got moist. We know how this works. Just stop. Nobody looks good after getting out of a cold plunge. Yeah, these people are like, hey, I'm in here. Controlling my breath. (laughs) It's like one of those fads right now that's bothering me so much. I can't wait for this fad to be over and done with. Like, I respect the sauna. What was wrong with the cold showers? The cold showers were the thing. Simple. Yeah. No, no, it's not good that you just get into a barrel of ice anymore, Said, because it's no, not dude, circulating. The ones, that, the ones that I hate is like the people who talk about the cold plungers, but they want to develop a sense of community. And like, look, we understand if you can't afford it. So just fill up your bathtub with water and just put some ice. I'm like, what the fuck you talk? I'm going to go buy ice cubes and put it in my bathtub. That doesn't even make sense. I've done it before, man. Let me tell you. Like right that? Now. Yeah. That's how you did it? I was on, I was, yeah, that's how I first, when I was an athlete, that, that's how I cold It wasn't like all this shit you could buy. Damn. Like no, that's, when I was an athlete, yeah, you just you're okay with it. It's just that I'm not of, anymore. It's just part of life. You're just bro. Like, I had lunch. You said the other day. you said that like you accepted it. I had lunch with a friend of mine the other day that I hadn't seen in a long time, mm-hmm. and he looked at me and he stone stone cold looked like he was happy and upbeat, and he goes, "Man, I remember you used to be so goddamn athletic." That's <laughs> and I was like, "I still am athletic," and he, he goes, "No, no, no, but really, you used to be so athletic." Come on. And I was like, this you, motherfucker thinks I'm out of hey, shit. Are you trying to be hurtful? Like, the fuck is wrong with you? I was you? like, bitch, let's go outside right now. I'll slap you right now. Yeah. I will kind of jump. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then. I'm back hurt, though, from the pull, well, pull yeah, muscle. Your ACL. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. my biggest fear, man. Blowing out my ACL or your ACL? Yeah, when I watch you walk around, you blowing out your ACL. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid for you. That's, that's not right. No? Uh, Honest to God, if I ever blew out my ACL, like now, or even worse, my Achilles, forget it. I'm not coming back from that. My wife had both sides of her knee blown out. Had surgery, have it fixed. That was a, that was a ruthless surgery. Damn. Like six laparoscopic cuts on her knee and shit. It was crazy, man. Rehab from that. Yeah. Was that three-year-old at the time or two-year-old, something like that? No good. You know, honestly, sorry, can you get back on topic, please? Please. Fuck. Odin's over here editing like, fuck. He's going. like, where the fuck am I going to put the thing for the, what the shit? He still has the chart up. Yeah. He's like, is the chart coming down now? <laughs> Is that what they're talking about? I this, don't know. Yeah, this is Odin. This is why this is what we're doing. You gotta remain healthy. You don't get sick. You come into the show. Yeah, all those cuts that you make and and the, and the quippy commentary that you add in. Yeah, that means less editing time for you later. Yeah. So this, as you edit this, is your fault. Yeah, yeah. The other day it is. He's punishment. Noriel. Was, was that Noriel? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, these are the U.S. cities where rent has fallen the most since last year. Mm. Number one, you see it in the show notes? You already see it? Las Vegas, Nevada, minus 6%. I believe it. I believe it. I just didn't think it was number one. I, I thought number five was going to be number one. I can't wait for some of these to go down even further, though. They will. This ain't, this ain't enough for me. Riverside, San Bernardino, Ontario. I could not believe this one. Really? Being so high on the list? I mean, again, rent was high, but people are... How many people are renting in Riverside? Down 5.9%. A very, very close runner-up number one. Yeah. Phoenix, Arizona, down 5.7%. Down. Mm. Austin, Round Rock, and Georgetown, Texas, all relatively of the same community, down 5.6%. And rounding out the top five, San Francisco Bay Area, California, down 4%. And rightfully so. quotes Did- for you. That, I thought that was going to be number hey, one. That's going to be number one. How was that Eventually. not number one? Eventually. I don't know. If you list... want to know why how it was number one? Rent yeah. control. 
Mm. People have such low rents in what will always be a very high market rent areas. Uh, good point. They're afraid to move. That's why it wasn't. Yeah, and if they do move, those rents then get put up to market. Yep. So it's actually going to affect it the, the wrong way. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. it's that that's why. Yeah. I, otherwise, it would have been number one. There you go. Rent. This according to CNBC. Rent in the 50 largest U.S. cities is now cheaper than it was a year ago. Take that in. I'm going to read that again for impact. Rent in the 50 largest U.S. cities is now cheaper than it was a year ago. Makes sense. With significant decreases in southern cities. Some belt region. Yes, sir. He listens. I love you, bro. (laughs) So proud. That's my quarterback. That were real estate hotspots during the pandemic. Yep. Florida. Mm-hmm. Texas. Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. And of course, Austin. Mm-hmm. Not really Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Carve it up. Median rent prices in these cities dropped by 0.5% in the last year, according to an analyst by, I'm sorry, analysis by Realtor.com. For renters. The decrease is a much-needed break after rent prices soared by nearly 25% from 2020 through most of 2021. Mm. These cities have the largest year-over-year rent price decreases as of May of 2023, the five that we read you earlier. Right. Wow. Yeah, big deal. And, and this part of the reason why, look, stick around long enough, a year even from now, this shelter figure is going to be analyzing these numbers that we're seeing now. So if rent's continuing to go down or staying stagnant, you can only imagine 12 months from now when you're analyzing this shelter component of inflation, it stays the same. That's when we're going to start to see an impact in the overall figure because in this last CPI report I just mentioned at the top of the show, shelter made up 70%, accounted for 70% of the overall number. One of our work colleagues sent the next chart to me from a different article from the Daily Shot. This one was compelling from a visual perspective. So if you're listening in the car, you're on any of our streaming platforms, this might be a good way for you to leverage over to the YouTube channel to get a look at this chart. I don't have a link to its source, so that's your best place to go. And while you're there, you got to subscribe, you got to leave a comment, and you got to send it to your friends and family. I mean, come on, guys. We need an honest five-star review. If you're not going to, you know, subscribe to the YouTube, and if, even if you are and you haven't subscribed to the streaming platform, it's just awkward. I mean, do it. You know. Stop it. It's weird. It is. Yeah. But this says, how much home can you buy with a $2,500 a month mortgage payment, assuming a 20% down and an average 30-year mortgage rate? I saw this was so fucked up. This meant this, this really hurt my feelings. Yeah, right? So, again, how much home can you buy with a $2,500 a month mortgage payment? Assuming 20% down and an average 30 year mortgage rate. In just after 2020, that was $758,572. You could buy a little over a $750,000 home, three quarters of a million dollars. With $2,500 a month uh, mortgage payment. That's insane. Right. 20% down, whatever the event average rate was. Yeah, that's not, first of all, even though. We could have gotten that back then. That doesn't mean that was normal times either. No. That's not, that's not something you hold out for again, right? No. no. 
Now, the drop-off since then has been steep. So steep, it's the steepest since, I believe, in 2004. Well, actually, probably 2002 or 2003-ish, mm-hmm. back there. Chart doesn't go back far enough, but this is the steepest decline by far that I've seen on any chart. Okay. That same scenario now. How much home you can buy with $2,500 down, a $2,500 mortgage payment, 20% down, and your average 30-year mortgage rate is now down from $758,572 to $452,222. In buying that in California. So you went from $750,000 worth of home right. to $450,000 worth of home. So I got something on this that I did, I did some research after a lovely conversation we had with Professor Norris. That turned me on to something, right? That obviously we all knew, but I wanted to dive into the numbers to get to get it right. So we know that the median home prices have increased, while the median household income has not increased at the same rate. And that's been the biggest problem, right? Real estate we know is out of out of control. It's wildly out of control. Well, Still. Especially when you compare the increase in rates. So, and I have those numbers broken down here. I could have gone uh, nationally, national averages, but I figured, okay, why don't we break it down in California closer to home so we know what makes sense, right? In 1990, we also grew up in the 90s, not too long ago. I figured let's do the 90s instead of the 80s. 1990, a median home price cost in California, $194,000. Median home price. Man. Right? Today, an average home value in California, $743,000 thousand dollars yeah okay median that's a 282 percent increase so in order to keep up with that what would wages need to be a lot higher a lot way higher right so when you look at the median household income in california in 1990 for that 194 thousand dollar home that i just said median household income was just shy of sixty thousand you were balling if you made sixty thousand i'm saying you can afford a home yeah you can live that American dream, right? But now the average household in- or median household income in California, $84,000. That's an increase of 40%. Home prices went up 280-some percent. Wages went up 40%. Mm-hmm. It's forcing people to have to move out. Yeah. Right? So it got me to thinking something that we have alluded to in the past, that, okay, if people are having a hard time right now, saving right you can't save enough right in order to keep up with you know where houses are going save up for that down payment to invest it in themselves instead we talked about on the show what you need to do is get yourself to a higher paying job right get yourself to that six-figure range at least that's very very doable once you cross that path you can get whatever certifications you need whatever licensing you need if you have to switch over industries, right? But in order, I'm talking about the state of California. I don't know everywhere else, right? No, I firmly believe across the country, if you're not making six figures, and this is not like an arrogant thing. This no. Is, this is just like a target we should all aim for. We should all be targeting a six-figure annualized income. And right. what sucks is I know how much teachers get paid. Yeah. I know how much nurses get paid. Mm-hmm. And I know that what I'm going to say is somewhat inflammatory because these are some of the most valuable people contributing to our to our world yeah right people who take care of you people who raise your children mm-hmm. we don't pay them six figures not enough we don't they pay them deserve enough. way more they deserve tremendously more 
So I recognize that my advice flies in the face of the value of what these underlying jobs do. Mm-hmm. We should all be targeting six figures at, at the minimum. Yeah. And I know that's a, a lofty aspiration given where the average wages are in the country. Mm-hmm. But I truly believe what I said earlier. that Anyone can do anyone else's job if given the right opportunity and the right motivation. Yeah. So I think that that is, a, is, is the beginning part of where people really try to find their entrepreneurial journey. And if you're going to have side hustles and everything else, if you're making six figures at your job and you want to have side hustles and, and some other focus, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But if you don't have six figures at your job, it should be, your time should be spent trying to grow where you can get into a job where you can get that. Right. At least, at least that, right? And it's unfortunate that so many very, very important jobs don't pay that much. It's, it is. It is unfortunate. I mean, uh, there was an article that I didn't, I didn't put in the show notes, but I recently read about what Charlie Munger said. And he was saying, it's going to be hard, but you have to find a way to get to your first 100000 He wasn't talking about, you know, your job, your salary. He was talking about, like, your investment accounts, Mm -hmm. right? Whether that's your 401k, because that's all you can contribute to so your company can match and whatnot, right? But if somebody were to start putting in $10,000 a year, spread that $10,000 over 12 months, right? It would take you a a little short of eight years to get to that your first hundred thousand if you were to study average rate of return of like seven percent. Okay. Your second hundred thousand would take you five years. That's the beauty of compound interest. Mm, yeah. So he's like, I know he, he recognizes I know it's hard. I know it's asking of a lot, but there is some discipline and some budgeting that you're gonna have to implement in order to get there. And it will benefit you wildly. And that's the problem is most people are so discouraged with the idea that compound interest takes time. That's the thing. It's patience. It's incredibly discouraging for most people because they want the benefit now. And if I had a way to give it to people, I would. Mm-hmm. But even my own self, like I, I sacrifice. I still sacrifice. My mm-hmm. wife and I talk about this all the time. Like, you know, uh, we don't live as much of a flashy lifestyle as people think. Yeah. And it's because we choose to sacrifice for what comes next. And there, there are proponents who would say, look, look, tomorrow's not promised. Mm-hmm. They would say, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's, that's all true. Mm-hmm. But what I'll say in, in response to that is, is if something does happen tomorrow and it's not promised, yeah, then all my hard work will go to my son and that's worth it. Yeah. You're giving him a real fighting chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving him an opportunity that I didn't have. Yes. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. So I'm not sad that I didn't get to experience some of those things that I think people think. And whether, I mean, whether you want to even go into, you know, this aspect of it or not, like, at the end of the day, having that set aside and ready in case of an emergency, God forbid, yeah. it should bleed over into other aspects of your life to where you can enjoy more, you can rest easier, you can sleep better, you know, maybe, I don't know, you don't worry as much because you have, you've set, you've set, the, you you've, set the, you've set the foundation, right? I'll give you a great example. This year, wages wise, I'm going to make a little more than half a million dollars less. Mm-hmm. I also lost about half a million, maybe 600,000 in stock values this year. Wow. So net, net together, I lost a little over a million dollars this year. That's just crazy. this year. Yeah. My lifestyle hasn't changed. We're not freaking out about anything. Right. Those are some big L's when you think about it. I mean, imagine, if you, imagine if you spent that. A lot of people, that's what they do. They're, yeah. banking, they're banking on the bonus and they've already spent it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I, I get that. And I mean, it hurts. Yeah, but that's the beauty of living within your means. 
Mm-hmm. That that's the beauty of, of being smart and being thoughtful. Yeah. And I I hear people, oh, God, this sucks. But I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I'm guilty of that. I've I've been that person on the other side. No, no, I get you. You hope that those things come through and that you can do something cool with it, and you and you romanticize it and you pontificate like. Oh, this money comes in. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Well, I can, yeah, I can move into this house, and I can go over there, and I can take my kids to this school. So you're already starting to plan ahead before it even gets there. I get that, and then yeah. that's just human nature. But what I'll say is, is like, you know, I, I've always been like, I just don't want to be poor again. And I know that sounds so basic and remedial, mm-hmm. but I'm happy just to not be poor. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about. You know, being over the top flashy or having, what's poor, huh? What's poor, man? We had to dig through change through the couch to get change for a two liter bottle of soda and a Hershey's chocolate bar. Yes, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't pay for sports, that, so unless yeah. the team was gonna front the money, front the money, I couldn't do it. Right, you know, uh, to to order a, a a pizza and a two liter bottle of soda was a treat. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we we, I mean, look, and I don't. Regret anything that happened in my childhood. I had a great time, and and I don't, I didn't really know how bad it was because we were happy. Yeah, it was simple. But I don't want my son to feel that way. No, no, it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Yeah, but I was having this conversation. Obviously, I, I would never intentionally put my kids in a in a tough bad spot just yes, to see. Would. No, I wouldn't. But don't be an asshole. But <laughs> it makes you. It makes you know what makes a lot. I won't say all, but. Somebody said this once and it really resonated with me that a, ma- a lot of the people that people idolize like as, as in celebrities or people that have made it or gotten themselves to a certain place, they've had to go through some serious shit to get there. Adversity builds character, man. Of course it does, right? And it makes you, it really makes me question and wonder like, man, if I, if I make the road too easy, obviously you want to give your kid the best opportunity, but I also have heard of a lot of stories where it doesn't really pan out the other way. Yeah, but so that's the beauty in this whole thing, right? Like, as much as we could make my son's life super easy. Yeah, look, and I do too, right? Yeah, um, but your son and my son are not growing up in these super extravagant over-the-top like lifestyles. No, no. They had more than we had. Yes. But they're not, like, super extravagant over-the-top. You know what happens when things come but to them? To them, it is, man. I, I remember a point I would tell people, stop buying my kid toys. He doesn't. He'll play with it for an hour and he's done. He'd much rather play with an open cardboard box. Bro, we have a storage unit filled with extra toys. That's my, what I'm saying. My wife will literally take the extra toys and put them in a storage unit and say, you'll get those when the time is right. My kids, they don't care about the toy. They just want time with me. That's all they want. And my wife. There you go. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm, I mean. For, obviously, from my perspective, they just want my attention, you know, my love. So it's like, it doesn't require a lot, you know? Well, you know who else wants your love? He ain't getting it. Former Celsius CEO. You can get it from Bubba. Arrested. Company agrees to pay a $4.7 billion settlement. This according to CNBC. Mm. Former Celsius CEO Alex Mashinsky was arrested by federal law enforcement Thursday. A A soyce. A soyce. Familiar with matter told CNBC as federal regulators announced his bankrupt crypto exchange Celsius would pay a $4.7 billion fine. That's a lot. The settlement announced by the FTC will not be paid until the company is able to return what remains 
of customer assets in bankruptcy proceedings. Mm. The concurrent SEC proceedings are against Mashinsky and Celsius and allege that Mashinsky misled investors and fraudulently manipulated the price of Celsius's exchange token CEL. Hundreds of thousands of investors, upwards of $20 billion. This guy deserves to go to jail for a long time. I don't feel sorry for this guy. Sam Bankman-Fried. You know they're homies. And CZ. Mm-hmm. Finance. Finance. How CZ is not on this list already is stunning to me. Yeah, because they're, they're trying to really dig their teeth and try to find something that they can really nail them to. Yeah. But he knows. He knows. He knows the second he steps foot in the U.S., he's done for. I know people are saying that Bitcoin is going to go up to like 100000 and 200000 Yeah. Shamat stepped off that, though. Did he? Yeah. What did he say? He no longer believes that. At least he came out with this statement like a couple months ago. He used to be one of those people that said it would be up to 200000 Then he stepped off it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a world. Now. I think the SEC and the feds and the regulators, I think you get past election season, and I think that you're going to see a pretty polarizing opinion from them once mm-hmm. they get past this contagion, the fear of banking and the recessionary economy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to get crushed with regulation. So there's another platform out there called Ripple. I've heard of it, yeah. You heard of it? They have their own token. It's called like XRP, I believe. Yeah. It's pretty popular. Very popular. And something came out today, actually. The SEC made a ruling that their token wasn't viewed as a security. Mm -hmm. So for like the crypto space, this is a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. So that it's like a step in the right direction for them where they can potentially have maybe, you know, know, trade it as, as if. So here's what I'll say about litigation in general. Yeah. Never take a judgment in a, a news post like that as gospel. Okay. A lot of this stuff gets appealed. Yes. So there's an appeal period. They mm-hmm. may or may not appeal. It could very easily wind up in the state Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So give it time before you look at it and go, oh, shit, well, that didn't work out. Or, you know, there's new, new, new case law. It's precedence. Mm-hmm. Sometimes judges do some rogue stuff. I mean, it's just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Not really knocking the legal system, but sometimes they get it wrong. That's what the appeal system's for. Yeah. So, meh. I'm not really convinced that anything's going to change. Regardless. And honestly, for me. security, not security from the judicial system. You still have a legislative, a legislative system. Mm-hmm. You still have the established, you know, SEC, the regulatory agencies and the bodies, the FDSC, the FRB. CF- none of them are. CFTC. Yeah, none of them are pivoting in the direction of really supporting crypto. As a matter of fact, they seem to be pivoting the other way. So I'm not really impressed with its potential future at this point in time. Mm. Neither am I. But what I am impressed with is that you, my friend, who I love and adore, Aww. gave me the courtesy of your birthday. Oh, come on. I appreciate you, know you. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Love you a long time. Arun, not so much. We're here for my birthday party. This is true. Maybe he is the real villain. I think that's the narrative we go with moving Rune, forward. Rune is the real villain. Now you know. It's those guys with two chins. You can't trust them. <laughs> All right. How, how can you trust a guy with two chins? Fuck uh, them. He doesn't even try to hide it. He wants you to look at <laughs> no. it. No. He's working on it, man. Is, is he? he? No. No. He's not. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> I, couldn't even, I didn't believe when I said it. You got to the point where he just stopped even trying to hide his workouts. He just. He doesn't. was wearing the watch and he stopped wearing the watch again. No, I think he wears it. Oh, well, let's find out right now, live on the show. Oh, he ain't wearing it. He's for sure wearing it. Nope. Is it zero still? If you're not wearing it, you just gave up. Zero. 
Really? Come on, my guy. Damn, it's zero of 900 calories. Let me check yesterday. Also, zero of nine. Yeah, you're not wearing the wash. Do I try to compete? Just get some wins. <laughs> Back up in wins. Yeah, 504 calories today. No workout, though. I was, I was running around today, birthday day. How was that family dinner before you got here? Family dinner was great, man. Yeah. Before you got chill. Wife, wife brought in and out home. Oh. Asked for in and out. She wanted to do it. She wanted to do it like a steak dinner somewhere. And I'm like, let's just get something that the kids can enjoy too. I'm not, not making it about me. My son loves in and out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, my kids, they don't know any other fast food other than in and out and Chick fil A. I lie. They also know Happy Meals. Grandparents mm-hmm. bring home Happy Meals. I'm like, God damn it. In and out's right there. Just take them in and out. I think my son's had a Happy Meal a couple times. Yeah, like and they uh, my kids know about the toys. I made the mistake. I didn't know this is no longer a thing. Mm. And then the, the person at the door like made me feel like I was the asshole. I pulled up. I'm like, they give the Happy Meals, right? Mm. And I was like, is there a, a boy toy? In the- Ooh, no. I didn't yeah, know. No, it no, was no. a thing. Hold on. It was yeah. was it a thing? When we were kids, yeah. I didn't know. There's one toy now. I was like, back in the day, there was a boy toy yeah. and there's a girl toy. No, no, no. Gender, not gender specific at all. I'm like, yeah, I'm very gender neutral. Yeah. yeah. I was like, my bad. She's yeah. like, no, we only have one toy. I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, Can you know. paint it pink, bitch? You understand? <laughs> I grew up in the 90s. Yeah. Right? This is normal back then. Right. This yeah. was a thing. Yeah, I know. Not a thing anymore. No. Very, very. Offensive. I remember being so hurt too back then when all the boys' toys were gone and they'd give me the girl. I'd be like, what, what do you want me to do with this? I don't want a pink Care Bear, mom. Fuck. God damn, the beanie yeah. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, got anything else? No, that's it. All right. Wrap this one up. Go for it. See, you got it tonight. Bye. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.